Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. This quarter we're talking about discipleship. And so I want to talk a little bit about discipleship uh, tonight. And... Um, wanted to uh, kind of challenge us a little bit on um, just the way that we spend our time, uh, the way that we, um, the structure of our lives a little bit. And so tonight's, uh, if the title is uh, Third Places, Third Places. Um, in his book, The Great Good Place, soci- uh, sociologist Ray Oldenburg coined the phrase third places referring to the places people spend time outside of home and work. So first places being uh, home. Uh, At home, we spend about, you know, on average, eight hours sleeping. Uh, I know that that's uh, probably less for some, maybe more for others. Uh, I saw actually just today that children, uh, I think it was five uh, five years and younger, should uh, have like, I want to say it was... 12 to 14 hours of sleep, which is insane, but they that's the numbers they put on it, saying that's how much time they should be getting uh, sleeping. Uh, adults should be seven or eight hours, but on average, we sleep about eight hours. Um, spend about six, 67 minutes a day eating. Uh, maybe for some that's more, maybe for some it's less. Uh, and then second places would refer to work. Uh, so we spend about seven, 7.8 hours, so basically close to an eight-hour day uh, working. Um, and then we spend about 101 minutes a day uh, driving, just driving, whether that's to and from work or um, just around town. So a good chunk of our time, a good portion of our time is taken up, spending time at home, uh, doing our daily things throughout our day at home, and then spending time at work, uh, working, and you know, obviously the dynamic has changed now, uh, as we are working, more people are working from home and all of that, um, but third places refers to those places but, uh, outside of work and home, so the church would be considered a third place, um, coffee shops, gyms, um, the library, things like that, parks, would be considered a third place, so that gives us about, between All of that that I just mentioned, that gives us about five and a half hours uh, to do the other things that we want to do every day. And that's not including the time that we spend, can I hear an amen from the mothers, uh, cooking the meal that everybody's eating, cleaning, cleaning up after the meal, uh, men mowing the grass in the summer, uh, whatever we're doing, working around the house, um, you know, everyone pitching in to clean up the house, all of that. Um, doing laundry, all those things eat into that five and a half hours that we have approximately, give or take, that we have to do what we want to do. And so we, there's these third places, these places that, that take up um, the, our kind of excess time. And so the church is lumped into that category. It's lumped into that category of third places. Now they give um, uh, 
the characteristics of third places and, and what a third place kind of uh, offers to someone and you know one thing would be community that it gives you a place to connect with each other on a social level um, it also gives you the ability to um, uh, maybe learn learn new things you know a place like the library gives you a chance to uh, help uh, give yourself more knowledge on a certain subject or area but it, it's something that usually is centered around ourselves it's it's to help us it's to ease our own minds. It might be a, something that we do for stress relief. Maybe it's a hobby that we have um, that helps um, you know, re release some of the stress from all the time that we spend at home and work. And so that is a crucial part of our lives, but it is probably the, the, least, um, the least amount of time spent in that area. And, uh, and it really puts it into perspective you know, the phrase, there's not enough time in the day, because there actually really isn't when we try to cram everything that we have that we want to do in the, in the middle of the day. Uh, the Western world uh, we're living in here in North America has created um, a kind of a life structural hierarchy that places church at the very bottom of the list of importance. So home is important, work is important, church is important to some, not important to others. Um, you, for, for you, it might be that the gym is not very important to you, or it, it is important to you. Um, but all of these things factor in uh, that the, the way that our life is structured, <clears throat> it takes the church and places it as a, as a less uh, important area of our lives outside of home and work. Um, Churches, though, they compete with everything else for people's time and attention. So the church has to compete with the time that you spend at the gym. The, the church has to compete with the time that you spend out with your friends. The church has to compete with maybe the time you spend gaming or, you, or doing a hobby, can, um, doing carpentry, uh, painting, whatever it is that you like to do, reading, uh, whether that's fiction or nonfiction. It shares that time slot with the church. Um, and so third places like church uh, are in competition with our hobbies and everything in between. And in an attempt to keep employees happy, uh, many companies are now blurring the lines of first, second, and third places. They offer gyms at their work facility. Uh, they offer coffee shops in the work facility. They offer social spaces for people to connect with each other in the workplace so they don't have to go outside of work. Um, they uh, offer childcare <clears throat> and all of these things that help you to be able to spend more time at work. And uh, as if, you know, I'm sure we all love that. But, uh, but the businesses are doing that. They're trying to blur those lines. Uh, and as a matter of fact, you could probably live in the building that you work in and your work could probably offer you everything you need and you wouldn't have to leave. So it's blurred the lines of, of those things a little bit. Now, the early church, I believe, also somewhat blurred the lines of those first, second, and third places. Um, the Bible says in Acts 2, uh, shortly after, uh, you know, the, we always quote Acts 2.38, but shortly after that verse in verse 42, Acts 2.42 through 47, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, 
and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any, anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is uh, from the New King James Version. But I believe that the closer that we follow to God's plan, the lines between those first, second, and third places becomes blurred. We, um, we, we uh, not only reserve our time at church for, uh, in those third places for church alone, but we are the church where we go, where we're at, in our homes. We are the church in our uh, places of business or places of work. Uh, we are the church when we go to the grocery store and those things don't change. So the lines as we follow the plan of God become blurred and we don't categorize just God into a segment of time. Um, there's a, a phrase in the world of marketing called mindshare. Um, I came across, across this about a year ago. Uh, but it simply means uh, it, it's the aim, the aim of mindshare is to establish a brand as being the best of a given product or service. And to even have the brand become synonymous with the product or service offered. How many of you, when you pick up a box of tissues at the store, do you call them Kleenex, even if it's not Kleenex brand? How many of you um, uh, go to pick up bandages and call them Band-Aids? Uh, how many of you, um, um, how many of you have heard maybe down south, this is something that my grandma Burke said to me one time, I was over at her house and she said, um, what kind of Coke do you want? Or do you want a Coke? And I said, sure. She said, okay, what kind? And I said, uh, what kinds are there? <laughs> Vanilla Coke? I mean, and uh, she's like, well, we got Dr. Pepper, <laughs> we got Sprite. Um, but that is the, the purpose of Mindshare, is for these brands to <clears throat> occupy such a great percentage of your thought process and your mind and to inundate you with advertising and, and all of this stuff so much that their name becomes synonymous with their product or, or even a category of products. And on a deeper level, Mindshare attempts to occupy your mind enough to where it can eventually occupy your free time with their product. So not only are you uh, thinking, well, when I get out of work today, um, I'm going to go home and I'm going to uh, do this. We have in our minds, I'm going to go home and stream whatever show or movie. I'm going to go home and read whatever book. I'm gonna, you have in your mind what it is that you want to do. And I will say that that is not by accident. These companies spend a lot of money and a lot of time developing this, and many of them know you better than you know yourself. And they do this uh, to manipulate you into making decisions. And that's not some weird conspiracy theory. That's just simply the truth. Uh, that's why they study psychology, and that's why they study uh, the, the, human, uh, the human behavior, because they 
know exactly what to do to make you make a decision. And so we sometimes can't even uh, think for ourselves because we've been so inundated with so much stuff throughout the day that our mind just naturally thinks after I get out of work, after I, when I get back home and I have my time set aside, I'm going to do this thing that I've been thinking about. Well, you've probably been thinking about it because you've been receiving advertisements and notifications all day about it. Um, so the, the mind is inundated with these things and it takes that little bit of time that we have left in the day and it gives us an, another option outside of church, outside of our daily prayer time, our Bible reading, whatever it might be, uh, it gives us another option to take its place. And so um, Colossians 3, 1 through 2, Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. When it says set your affections, that, that phrase means to direct the mind to, to seek for. So that's not a passive statement. That is, um, you know, uh, at some point I'm going to do this. So I'm going to set that on the calendar. I'm going to get to that. No, this says direct the mind to. Set your affections. Direct your mind to things above, not to things on the earth. Uh, and then in Matthew uh, 6, Matthew six nineteen through 25, we're going to read a little bit there in Matthew. And that says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, wherein moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For there your treasure, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye, and therefore thine eye, if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness! No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? So when we aren't focused on our responsibility as disciples, and when we get our minds off course and when we place our treasures and things on the earth, we cause the church to suffer. We cause the church to sit at a standstill and lack progress, lack forward movement when we occupy so much of our time with other things. Um, Jesus was having a supper with the Pharisee, uh, uh, the leaders of the, the Pharisees, and he used this this uh, time as an opportunity to give, to give an example of discipleship. 
Um, in Luke 14, we're going to be in this passage for just a little bit. Luke 14, 16 through 24. It's the parable of the Great Supper. So he was talking to these leaders and Pharisees, and he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited. So the invite had gone out, um, and the invite said, come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask, I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in um, bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. This is um, not only a rebuke of the Pharisees, but this is also a charge to us to not spend our time giving excuses to why we can't help, why we can't be involved, why we can't come to this dinner that's been prepared for us. Um, it's laid before us. Uh, everything's ready to go. The supper has been, ready, has been prepared, and all of it is set. Um, but Jesus, I believe, was covering two topics when he talked about this. He was talking about sending invitations. Um, sometimes it doesn't always happen like we think it should. Uh, we send out the invite, we tell people to come, or ask people to come, and they give us an excuse after an excuse after an excuse as to why they won't be there. But sometimes, I believe what he was saying to us is sometimes we have to go, that's number one. Sometimes we have to go out of our comfort zone I don't know how these first invites were sent. I don't believe Pony Express was available at the time. But um, these invites were sent out. But this required him to go a little bit further outside of that small area, that small location. <clears throat> when it talks about going to the highways, this is talking about the busiest of places. This isn't just go next door to your friend, the neighbor, and knock on their door and tell them, hey, we're having this thing. But this is go to the places that are a little bit out further. And then it even goes further than that because there wasn't still enough room. And he says, go now even uh, to the, the highways and the hedges. That's the fences. That's the kind of the property lines. That's the further extents um, going out into those places and compelling them to come in that my house may be filled. And so... Number one, I believe that he was telling them that sometimes you have to go a little further out. Sometimes it's, it's more than just an invitation to those people that you know well. Um, but then the second thing I believe he was saying was to invite uh, that everyone is invited. 
that it's not just for the Jews, it's not just for um, God's chosen people, but it's for Gentiles, it's for all of God's people. Um, he was talking about going after, you know, the, the, the people that were lame, the people that were, um, that were like the outcasts of society, because at that time, you know, people shunned people with sicknesses, people shunned people with diseases, but this, this meant going outside of the comfort zone a little bit, talking to people you've never talked to before, um, all of those things. I, I tried in high school to make it a priority to talk to people, and Titus did too, and I know Ryan Harris did too. We would all sit with kids that weren't real popular or didn't have a lot of friends, and we would try to talk to them just to, to make them feel special or cared for, wanted, whatever. And I believe that that made a difference in some people's lives. I don't know what specific impact it had, but... Um, but that's what God's calling us to do, is to go outside of our comfort zone, go to the further places maybe, um, you know, exert a little bit more energy than what we've done in the past, um, do a little bit more, go a little further, and to reach people that we wouldn't expect to reach. Don't stereotype future disciples, because when we do that, we will miss out on the greatest disciples that God has planned for his church. Some of those people, those Ken Cantrells that used to hate the church and was always grumbling and frustrated, uh, is now a missionary in Africa. Um, you know, the Apostle Paul uh, was a persecutor of Christians and then became one of the greatest uh, missionaries on the earth. And so... Um, when we go outside of our comfort zone a little bit, when we uh, don't occupy all of our time, all of our efforts with things on the earth, uh, occupy our minds with all those things, we get outside of that, God can reach and do things that we never thought were possible. And it kind of goes back to what we talked about uh, Sunday, where in my mind, I have a certain way and thought process of how I think it should be done. Um, I've been dealing with this lately, personally, uh, just with our car situation and with the growth of the church and all of this stuff, trying to do things to help the church grow. And in my mind, I think, well, this needs to happen. This has to happen. Um, I need to get a raise. I need to do all these things. All these things have to be in place. Otherwise, it's not going to work. It's, that's just how it has to happen. And so I reason it out in my own mind and think that's the way that God has to do it because there's no other possible way. And then in my thinking of that this is exactly how it has to happen, God causes our good car to be destroyed. And my bad car is sitting pretty in the uh, driveway. And so God has a way of, of just doing things the exact opposite of what you thought he would. You know, I, in my mind, I reason things like that out and say, all right, here's what has to happen, God. That bad car has to get hit or has to be stolen or has to roll off uh, the bridge into the Mississippi River. Something has to happen with it. But, and I, you know, still, now I'm in the unknown. I still have that car, and I still don't know what needs to happen with it. But I think, you know, maybe I didn't learn my lesson God has to show me something. Um, but this is what we uh, 
you know, th this is what God is challenging us to do is to think outside of what we expect to happen. It, think outside of what we think should happen and think, God, do what you desire to do. If you want to bring in and fill this place with the worst possible sinners, people that everyone else said would not be a good person, would not have a good life, um, then do that. If that's what you want to do, that's what, that's what you, you should do. And so Jesus is giving this example, telling them um, that, number one, you have to sometimes go outside of your comfort zone, go further than you have gone before, and that everyone is invited. Don't stereotype future disciples. Um, Luke 14, 25 through 27, says, Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate, now that word hate sounds pretty uh pretty hard to say that, but really what that word means is love less. So if anyone um, comes to me and does not love his father and mother less, or his wife and children, brothers and sisters, um, less than they love God, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So Jesus is telling us that we are to pick up our cross and if you love uh, your life more than God and the kingdom of God, if you love uh, your family more than you love the kingdom of God, you love God, then you cannot be my disciple. That's pretty plain and simple. Um, but that is not, that's not saying, you know, that word hate, um, maybe they didn't have a good word for it, but it literally means love less. So you can still love your father, you can still love your mother, you still love your life. God is not expecting you to hate your life. Um, but if you, you can, you can love your life, but if you love it more than you love God or more than you love the church, you can't be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, all throughout scripture, in the New Testament, specifically, we see that God keeps giving commands to people. He keeps giving commands to his disciples. And in Matthew 28, 19, commonly uh, referred to as the Great Commission, it simply says, Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Go ye, therefore. And teach all nations. You know, we, uh, and this, this is, I should say, me, I. Um, I am really good at creating this kind of happy life with, well, not with great balance, but a happy life of, of kind of going through the motions of coming to church at a certain time, leaving church at a certain time, going and getting lunch, going home, going to work the next day, you know, this routine of life that, I, that we all go through, that sometimes it just doesn't line up with the Great Commission to go ye therefore. Sometimes it goes outside of the bounds of what God has asked us to do, which is to just simply make disciples. That's what he wants us to do. And, you know, one person that challenged me on this, just by the way that they live, was Pastor Jerry Holland. 
he was staying with us one time. He was preaching revival for us. And I was going to the gym at the time regularly. And he wanted to go to the gym. So I, I said, yeah, I think you could probably get a day pass. So he comes with me to the gym and, um, and literally did not know a stranger. Talked to every single person there. And for me, I sometimes come in with my headphones in to avoid people because, you know, I'm a bit of a, um, what, what's the word, introvert um, in real life. I just play an extrovert out up here on stage. No, but, um, but I, I mean, I am so guilty of just going through the motions of that, going to the gym, seeing the same people every day and not talking to them, not saying anything to them. You know, it, it is my nature to be like that, but people like uh, Pastor Holland, just amazing, the way that he knows how to talk to people and, and um, makes people feel good and, and talks to them about God and talks to them about their life and shows interest in them. Um, those are the kinds of people that challenge me to get outside of that, that schedule that I have, get outside of that comfort zone that I have and and really live out the Great Commission to go ye therefore. The scripture uses something that we call in the marketing world as a directive. This is, not, this is an active statement, not a passive one. Go. This isn't, um, yeah, I mean, we can, we can text people. Um, we can text people and invite them to church. We can, we can share a Facebook post and consider that an invite to everyone that's friends with me on Facebook. I invited 1,700 people today. All of my Facebook friends saw my invite to the revival service. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Share all of that. But this is a, a directive. This is, an, this is an active statement to go. This isn't passive. This isn't, um, well, just you know, live your life as a Christian, and they'll see it, and they'll want to come. Now, this is go out there. Go ye therefore. So when you, want to, uh, when you want to get someone to take an action, you use a directive like the word go. After, uh, just after Jesus was miraculously resur- resurrected from the grave, and the veil was torn in the temple, and access to God became uh, internal, he told them to go. The holiest of holies was now mobile. It had gone from this stationary place that, yes, they had moved it from time to time, but it it stayed in one place for periods of time. The holiest of holies had now become something that abided within the temple or the body of the believers of Jesus Christ. The sacrifice in the temple became the sacrifice of the human flesh, living out God's directives to go with the Holy Spirit going everywhere that we go. Now, I want to just challenge you today, and I'm going to bring this to a close here in a minute, but I want to challenge you today to, number one, get outside of your comfort zone a little bit, and this is totally to me, because I need to, when I go to the gym next, or when I go to the store next, I need to actually talk to people about God. So this is this is a... a a challenge for us, but also it's a challenge for us to um, look at the way that our life is structured. Are the, We're spending a lot more time at home than we've ever spent. 
we're spending a lot more time, you know, the, the mall has been replaced with um, shopping online. And even going to a restaurant has been replaced with having food delivered to you at your house. Um, and although these things are nice and they're, they're great, and we enjoy them as conveniences of life, again, this, this is the, the world that we live in. This is the modern day world that we live in. But I believe that God, uh, God created his own mobile service before uh, Instacart and all those things were available. But he took the church, which was a place, four walls, the temple, all this stuff. Everybody would come to the church, but to now have it inside of us so that we could go out and be the mobile temple uh, and the mobile um, uh, embodiment of the Holy Spirit in the world that we live in. So, last couple scriptures I want to read is in Romans 12.1. Romans 12.1. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, we're talking about the temple was a place where sacrifices were made. The temple was a place where, where animal sacrifices were made. But now it's saying, it's telling us, present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There it goes back to that, the amount of time that we spend focusing on other things outside of God, outside of the church. Renew your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The will of God comes from you renewing your mind every single day. Renewing your mind, renewing your focus on God. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Of God, So presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice and renewing our minds so that we can achieve that perfect will of God. 1 Corinthians, the last scripture I'm going to, uh, to uh, use here tonight, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. And it just says, it says, what? It asks the question. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to God. We've been given life because God allowed us to have life. And every one of us in this room that's received the Holy Ghost has God's Spirit living inside of you. And as we um, fulfill the purpose and plan of God, you know, that, those third places that, that looks like church is segmented to a certain uh, time slot of time in our day. If we ever want to pray, if we ever want to read our Bibles, if we want to witness to someone, we have to do it at a certain time. That all those all those lines are blurred when we start following the will of God and we start pursuing God in a taking our bodies as the temple of the Holy Ghost everywhere that we go. 
And so this might require you to change your life a little bit so that you actually talk to sinners, that you actually talk to people that are hurting and suffering. If you find yourself only talking to Christians and you find yourself only uh, spending your time just in the, the, the four walls of the church and all of those things and you're not out there in the world communicating with people, then you need to reevaluate your life because that is what God has called us to do. And there's a reason, there's a reason that he gave us those commands to go into all the world. And then in that, that parable, telling them to go out and go further out, go, go to the busy places, go to the busy places and the busy streets, go to the, the edges of the city, go to the edges of, of the property and invite anyone and everyone you're going to invite a lot of people, and a lot of people give you a lot of excuses. Don't let that stop you. Don't let that deter you. But invite anyone to come and be a part of this. Now, I, I, I am so thankful the other day, um, and I know Pastor, I um, talked to him, and he was just going on and on about how thankful he was to see all the people that were here working at the church work day. And I know for him that just... You know, it's everything he preaches, everything he talks about, and he sees that, and I just know that that meant a lot to him. Um, but that is, it's part of the, what we do as the body of Christ. Not only that, it's not just working for the church, but as the first church did, breaking bread house to house. You know, if, you're, if you haven't invited someone over to your house in a while, do that. Let our homes be filled with, you know, laughter and joy and happiness and peace and all of the things that God God wants us to have in our homes. So um, tonight as we pray, I want us to pray that God would challenge us this week. Challenge us to change our schedule a little bit, take a different route to where we're going, and talk to people about God because that's the only way the church is going to grow. You know, it, it would be similar to a and we, we've done a lot of work preparing for the harvest here. I know that. We've prayed a lot of prayers. We've put a lot of things in place. We've done a lot of things to prepare for the harvest. But it would be as if we tilled the soil, we did everything that we could to prepare the ground for, for seeds and just forgot or didn't have time or didn't have the money to purchase the seeds and we just forgot that part of it. That's essentially what would happen and I'm, I'm telling you right now that uh, this is firsthand experience if you till the ground and you don't plant seeds you're going to get weeds and nobody wants weeds and um, I was just telling Ron this the other day that I uh, right before our wedding um, it was like the week before I decided I was going to till up the ground and start a garden and I don't know why I just had this idea I'd been wanting to do it for a little while I went to um, the house that me and Jen were going to rent and um, and I tilled up the ground and I had this little plot I even I think rented a, a machine to till up the ground a tiller to till up the ground I tilled it all up and all that stuff and I was like all right now I'm going to go to Connecticut and get married and then I'm going to go on our honeymoon and I come back and it's just a weed infested uh, plot of dirt and so I can say firsthand that if you 
till the ground and you do all that prep work and you do everything to get it right and you don't plant seeds, you're not going to get anything. The, wa- the rain's going to come. The sun is going to be there. That All these things are going to be in place. But without that seed, that plant will not grow. That plant will not exist. And that harvest will not come. And so th- that, that's as simple as that. We've done a lot of work. We've prepared the ground. We've done a lot of things. We've prayed in this altar. God, bring people. We've prayed for the, for the balcony. God, bring people. Fill this balcony. But are we planting seeds? And will we see the harvest? It would be as if we were to expect a great harvest to come without planting seeds. And I'm telling you right now, you're going to be disappointed. Because I know I was. Um, so let's pray tonight that God would help challenge us in that, that he would help us to think a little differently about the way we use our time and the way that we spend our lives. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray tonight, God, help us, Jesus. I pray that you would give us clear direction in our lives, God.